This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on super stars. Good morning, everyone. Lisa McDonald here, Carpe Diem. Thank you once again for joining me this Friday morning. I am really stoked and very jazzed and grateful to be joined here, rejoined here by my friend and a very dynamic individual, Dove Barron. Uh, so I'm just going to, as I always do with my guest, I'm just going to give a little bit of accurate information about Dove to properly plug him and provide contact information. And then again, as we always do, we turn it over to unscripted dialogue. So a little bit about Dove. Dove was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers to hire as the leading authority on authentic leadership and the founder of the Full Monty Leadership. He works with leaders in creating teams, clients, and customers, which become fiercely loyal. Dove is a best-selling author, and his latest book is titled Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. Dove also writes for many industry magazines, including CEO Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His radio show and podcast have had over 1 million downloads. His current podcast, Leadership and Loyalty Tips for Executives, is consistently in the top 10 leadership podcasts and the number one podcast for Fortune 500 executives. You can find Dove at www.fullmontyleadership.com, and Full Monty is capital F U L L capital M-O-N-T-Y, capital L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P, www.fullmontyleadership.com. So, Dove, I want to thank you very much for joining me again today. It's lovely to have you here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Lisa. Always a pleasure. You know, I know I love having a chat with you. And Always. thanks for the great plug at the beginning there. Appreciate that. Oh, well, it's true. And, of course, uh, for people who are familiar with my show and, and having tuned in to you being on my show originally a few months ago, uh, they would know that there's so much more to your repertoire than that. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, that could be a whole show. That could be my whole hour just plugging you with all your accomplishments and, and accolades. <laughs> so uh, I just want to thank you because I know how, how busy you are and uh, – Prior to going live here, Dove and I were talking pre-live with Barb, my producer, who was once formerly Dove's producer as well. Dove was also connected with the Contact Radio Network uh, with his own radio show for approximately two years. So we were talking about... You know, it's for Dove and myself and for many others, it's been a very uh, emotional summer, a lot of death here in Dundas and unfortunately in Dove's life as well. And uh, Dove is all about authenticity and keeping it real and all about relationships and human connectedness. So I just want to say, Dove, I'm very sorry to you and your lovely wife for what you've endured and love and light to you and uh, to the families of those who are struggling right now emotionally. Thank you, love. I appreciate it. And the same to you. I know that uh, you're in a difficult time right now with the loss of somebody who was very close to you. So, yeah, my, thank uh, you. My condolences to you too. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, but as we both know, you know, life has to go on. The show has to go on. So, um, so why don't we start? Uh, 
since you last joined me on my show initially, why don't you give us all a little bit of an update as to what's transpired for you in your journey, personally, professionally, uh, any additional partnerships, collaborations, all the yummy things that you're spreading out there in the world and <laughs> how you're helping people and propping people and turning other people's businesses into successes. Why don't we talk about that? Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, of course, it's, you know, like summer, people think of it as a quiet time, but it's not for me. It's always a busy time. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I've been doing lots and lots of interviews from different shows and different, different magazines and newspapers. I'm uh, now a speaker and trainer for Vistage International uh which is the CEO group for the McKay group, which is the CEO group. And now uh, Tech Canada just interviewed me for their newsletter yesterday, and I'll be a speaker for them. I'm off to Chicago to speak at the um, D- uh, Unleash WD, which is a distributors, distributors uh, conference. It's the only innovation conference in the world for distributors, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm presenting there as well. Um, Aside from still writing for Entrepreneur Magazine and all the other articles that I'm writing and producing video uh, and, wow. and, of course, working with my clients because, uh, as you know, I, I mentor privately and working with those clients and watching the transformations that take place in the way that they lead. Uh, and when I say lead, it's lead others and lead themselves, lead their own lives. Uh, so it's, it's, all, it's all pretty amazing and it's kind of like, breathtaking when I stop and go, holy crap, well, you know, just look at all the things that have happened in the last six, eight, 12 months. And on top of all that, I get to know Lisa McDonald, who is <laughs> this, who is this woman on fire, who's, who's, uh, who is burning past everybody and making things happen and uh, pulling miracles out of her took us. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, thank you for that, Dove. But, uh, you know, when, when, when you surround yourself and align yourself with people and choose to follow the positives and the trailblazers such as yourself, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to keep up with people like you. So, you know, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the inspiration and, uh, you know, I get a lot of, I drive a lot of creativity from you when I see how you maneuver things and ideas and concepts that you come up with and who you're networking and marketing with. It's like, oh, there's an idea. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to expand that. So thank you to you for that. Thank you. (laughs) So why don't we talk about, you know, you, Barb and I were also talking about, uh, the video that I had just put up, uh, prior to going pre-live as just so listeners, for those who are maybe tuning in for the first time could get a sense of who you are knowing that you are going to be my guest. So why don't we talk a little bit about that video? Uh, cause you yeah. often do videos and your videos are wonderful. I replay them all the time. I share them. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Perhaps the inspiration behind that and maybe some of the feedback you've received. Yeah, it's a video that I put up on uh, I, I, on Facebook recently. It was called "The Secret to Happiness Is," and and it came out of me actually asking on Facebook and on Twitter and on LinkedIn, asking people what they thought the secret to happiness was. And you know, I got these amazing responses from people like uh, um, things like that range from you know living your purpose. Uh, to have grandchildren, uh, some of the some of the answers seemed very trite, and 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 some of them seemed very 
this is what I'm supposed to say. And others seemed like they, you know, people had really been thinking about that and wondering, like, what is the secret to happiness? They'd actually thought about that. And, and I realized that I think that that's a question that most of us are asking, like, at some point in time in our life, usually in, in a less than happy time. What is what is the secret of happiness? Like, how come I don't have enough happiness in my life? And I think, you know, as I talked about in the video, I think that um, happiness is a misdirect. The world we live in is a, gives us a misdirect. And if you want to understand what I mean by a misdirect, think about a magician who has you looking at the left hand, but he's doing shit with the right hand, and you don't notice. And so mm -hmm. that's a misdirect. So part of the misdirect is that you're going to get happiness by pursuing stuff and then holding on to it. So that's the misdirect because the trap is that if you do pursue stuff and you get it, it's wonderful and you do feel happy, but it's brief. So the misdirect is if this made me happy, I have to hold on to it even tighter, even more. I've got to make sure they don't let this go away. And we do this with stuff and we become freaking hoarders. And we do it with people, and we do it with relationships, and we don't let people go, and we hold on so damn tight, and we never actually understand the power and the value of letting things go. So it was, that's how it sort of started. That, that's the first part of what the secret to happiness is, and it came out of this, as we were talking about before, that we've both been dealing with a lot of people dying, just leaving us, you know, in, in whatever way and realizing that you can't hold on to people. Um, even if you try to, that, you know, eventually everybody has an exp expiration date and they're going to die. So are you going to be happy or are you going to be miserable? And, and part of that is if you stop for a minute and go, okay, I can be really miserable that, I mean, I just, I'm, let me give you a hard one. I can be really miserable that my child is going to die. That's pretty fucking devastating thought. Right? A pretty freaking dev devastating thought that my child will die. Mm -hmm. But if you think about that for a minute and just let yourself feel what it feels like, you have, in that moment, you have this thought of, if I could go back, I would do this, I would do that. And that, I think, is incredibly powerful because it tells you what to do. It tells mm -hmm. you how to be with people while they're in front of you. We take so much for granted. And we realize in that moment that you can't hold on to anything or anybody. And so the misdirect, as I said, is to try and find something that will make you happy and then hold on to it. When in fact, maybe one of the parts of the secret to happiness is actually fully embracing what's in front of you and letting it go naturally. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned in that video the three key ingredients that you define mm -hmm. or term to be uh, inclusive of the secret of happiness. Yeah, I, I mean, those, those three things that I went through, I think they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're curiosity. Vitally, yeah, those are vitally important. The first of all was curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, being curious, I think it's one of the things that uh, we lose as adults. Uh, children are wonderfully curious. <laughs> they ask, "Why is the sky blue? Why is the you know why is why is the grass green?" They want to know stuff. And a part of our problem, I think, part of what makes us miserable is that we lose that curiosity. We we know everything, and it's part of how we sour our own lives. 
we look at something and go, oh, yeah, I know what this is. It's kind of familiar. Oh, Doug Barron, yeah, he's already been on the show. There's nothing new there. And you miss it. You miss because, you know, something else is going to show up. Oh, I know what this is going to be like. It's just another dinner party with Susie. Oh, God, you know. And the problem with that is that you go in with those filters and you, therefore you miss everything that's new. But if you're in a state of curiosity, everything is new. There's a wonderful quote at, a, at, a book, at the front of a book by Gary Zukov called The Dancing Wooly Masters, which is one of my favorite books from the 80s. And it's from a Tai Chi master from China. And he says, master, a master does everything as if for the first time, which is so polar opposite to the way we think in the West. We think a master is somebody who's done everything and put their 10,000 hours in. But a master is somebody who does everything as if for the first time, meaning that wonderful open curiosity, like, wow, I wonder what this will be like. It might be like I, it was before, but it might be completely different. So that was the, the first of the foundations of curiosity. The second foundation was to be in a state of learning. If we, if we lose the curiosity, we lose the ability to learn. And again, you know, I already know this. I mean, it's one of the... One of the fatal flaws of humanity is that we, we're constantly repeating, I know that, I know that. These are, these are terrible words. We talk about these in all my programs. The most da damaging three words you'll ever use is, I know that. Because they shut you down immediately. You stop listening. You, you've already run off into your own filters, and you've stopped learning. But the people who are happiest, the people who are happiest are insistent that they, 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 they're hungry to learn at all times. They always want to learn. I've been doing what I do as a speaker, as an author, and as a mentor for 31 years, and I spend about 60 grand a year on my education. And people go, my God, you know, like, what the hell are you doing? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't I? If I want to be at the top of my game, I've got to keep learning. And part of that is, is understanding that what I know today may be completely invalid tomorrow. I mean, come on, as, as my mate Joe Calloway says, if you, knew how to be, if you know how to be successful tomorrow, that's a recipe for failure. If you know how to be successful today, that's a recipe for failure for tomorrow because mm -hmm. everything is constantly changing. So you've got to keep learning. And think about yourself when you're in that space where you're just learning, like you're consuming, like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm learning this. I'm learning that. And you're doing it in a state of curiosity. Aren't you feeling way happier? Absolutely. Rather than just going to an end goal. Mm -hmm. And that curiosity and learning leads to the third foundation, which is looking at life from a state of adventure. Mm -hmm. Looking at life from a state of adventure. So, again, getting rid of the preconceived ideas. Our ego conditions, conditions us to keep things the same. And this is what makes us miserable. So, again, this is part of the misdirect. I, this made me happy, so I've got to hold on to it. I want you to think of anything, anything you like that made you happy 10 years ago. And I guarantee it either doesn't make you happy today or it makes you far less happy than it did 10 years ago. Now, maybe there's an exception to that. Maybe you have an amazing child. Maybe you have an amazing relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And as a result... That's not true. However, if you do indeed have that amazing, adventurous relationship that I'm just talking about, then guess what? You're still curious about that person, and you're still learning with and about that person. 
that state of adventure, getting rid of the ego's desire to keep things the same. Because to the ego mind, same and safe go hand in hand. So adventure is not safe. It's outside of your comfort zone. And everything that you want that is delicious, not just comfortable, but delicious, is outside of your comfort zone. So the three keys, curiosity, learning, adventure. Love it. Love it, Dove. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, again, because you joined me live uh, a while ago, I think it would be beneficial, you know, because people are always interested. When, when I have guests on my show, sometimes we often just focus on where we are currently today, but we don't know where the inception of the journey or the insight or the shift happened for people. So did you want to just kindly remind uh, myself and listening audience and for any new listeners joining us today, about the shift that happened for you as a result of your accident. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't know uh, my story, uh, you know I think that we live in a world um, that is um, fast-paced, and what I mean by that is I think we miss a lot of the details. Uh, we we don't have time for the details, so we want to go to the end result, and part of that is that we. Um, we see things as if they happened immediately. The, the overnight success, I guarantee you, took at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you suddenly know about this person because you saw them on American Idol or, or whatever it was, or America's Got Talent, you, know, you need to stop and actually read the backstory or listen to the backstory about that person. You'll find that they've been doing what they've been doing since they were four years old or something. And I think we live in this glamorous world where, you know, it comes from reality TV, where, where things appear to come out of nowhere. And it's not the truth. Every one of us, and, you know, that right now as you're listening to this, to this show, you know, you, you maybe listen to lots of shows with Lisa, and you've heard the, these amazing, wonderful guests that she brings on for you to, to enrich your life and have you learn from, have you stay curious about your life so it can be an adventure. And you think, oh, yeah, it's so great. I wish I was like that. <laughs> Hold on. Nobody is like that. Whatever it is you've contrived in your head, first of all, whatever you've contrived in your head about me has got nothing to do with me. It's just the stuff you've got in your head. And second of all, if that part of that stuff that you've made up in your head includes that I'm suddenly this, it didn't happen that way. I've been doing it 31 years, and I'm still not there because there is no there to get to. So I, what, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because in 1990, um, I'd already been speaking four years. I'd spoken all over Australia, um, most of Canada, much of the northern U.S. I was interviewed on TV, radio, newspapers. I was having all kinds of success. And in my <laughs> very narrow reality, uh, my life was awesome, and I was there. I I felt like I was there in, in all kinds of ways. And then uh, I came back from a tour. I'd been in and out of Chicago, and I came back from a tour and was just freaking exhausted. And the person who was my manager at the time said, listen, I've booked you four days off. And I was like, you can't do that. And she's like, no, you don't have a choice. You're exhausted. You've got to. I've moved everything. You've got to go away. I've arranged with a friend. I'm picking you up. Okay, so I went away. Forced to go away. I went away. took four days. Went up by Whistler in British Columbia. And on, in June 1990, uh, being an adrenaline junkie, 
which is what I was after climbing behind a waterfall soaking wet. I came out and instead of hiking up a cliff, which is how I'd gotten down, I decided that I was going to free climb, which means climbing without ropes. And uh, simplest answer to it is that uh, 120 feet, which is about 12 stories, I reached for a rock that dislodged a bigger rock that hit me in the face, knocked me unconscious, and sent me crashing to the bottom onto boulders, which uh, completely destroyed my face. Uh, and to be completely rebuilt, I had uh, 10 or 11 reconstructive surgeries. I honestly have lost count. Um, and the reconstruction of my physicality took about five months initially. I mean, it's gone on from there, but about five months before I looked what people would consider normal. Not people who knew me because I looked different, but anybody else. Um, but it took much, much longer to rebuild my heart, my soul, my mind, my, you know, my emotional center, all those things. Um, because that, you know, you and I, Lisa and I were talking about death. I mean, that was a death. It was the death of who I had been. And, and, I think this is one of the tragic things that we forget to notice is that we're so identified with something about who we are, and it's not who we are. Um, and I can remember crying, weeping, you know, I just wanted to get back. I wanted to get back to my nice car and my nice house and my, my TV and radio interviews and my fame. And there is no back. You can't put Humpty Dumpty together again. Once it's broken, it's broken. And so I collapsed into a deep, dark depression, and from there, I had to look at what was the truth for me, what really mattered for me, and approach my life from a very different place. And really, coming to, not consciously didn't understand what I was doing, but coming to a deep level of authenticity, finding out more of the truth about who I was, and those three foundations that I just point out about happiness. Don't, no, by the way, I don't always live there, <laughs> but I do my best to strive for that. Sometimes well, it's a miserable goat. <laughs> so, so basically, what Dove's saying is, this is the story and the true backstory of how Steve Austin came to be the Bionic Man. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Only, uh, what was his? He was the what was he? Six million dollar man? Or six million dollar man? Bionic yeah, Man? Whatever. Yeah. He was on fire. Lee Majors loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I, I still don't have a bionic eye or a bionic leg or any of those things. Uh, in fact, I, I, some things still don't work that well. <laughs> They're a bit rusty. You can put that on your setting intentions list. But, mm -hmm. um, well, I appreciate you sharing that for us. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting for all the people who I have spoken with, uh, either behind the scenes and they haven't wanted to mention it publicly or some have, you know, there seems to be some kind of link towards where people are today, what they've manifested, uh, how they've done the shift uh, to having had a near-death life experience. And that happened to me. I think I mentioned that in one of my first shows when I went live as an introduction to who I was so people could get a feel and a sense of who I was as an individual. Mm -hmm. And I had that myself. Uh, it was back in 2008. It was um, when my son was born, uh, had a lovely, lovely pregnancy, uh, everything that could go wrong in the delivery went wrong. And uh, I almost died as a result of massive hemorrhage due to retained placenta. And it's amazing what having had an experience like that does in terms of 
self-transformation, how you view the world, how you look at yourself, how you prioritize, reprioritize, and how much you go forward every single day not choosing, because it's a choice, to take people, life, love, nature, all the important stuff for granted. And, uh, you know, my son is in my daily life, so I'm remind, I'm reminded every day of uh, the fact that I came close to not seeing him grow up which I think is why as an empath as well, you feel everything at the core level, not just where you're concerned, but everybody, you know, whether it's people, you know, or you're tangibly connected to, um, you know, it's, uh, you feel it, you, you feel what's going on at the global level, the universal level. And, you know, you just, you, you feel that for people. And I think that's probably going back to you where, I can say just gleaning what I know of you and having had the privilege of meeting you and following you uh, and being very much in awe and admiration of you, that that's where your authenticity drive from because you basically had to not just reconstruct your face, you had to remold your whole entire life and, and readapting to what is fundamentally important outside of the fame and the accolades and the nice house and the nice car and the TV and the radio interviews. So, um, so lovely to have you here, Dove. Well, you know, I, I think you've, you've said something that is important, though, that I think I don't, I don't want to skate over, uh, and that is this. You know, you, basically, we, I believe at least, that we all have, um, we all have falls. Mm-hmm. We all have falls. Things happen. So for me, you know, like you, for you, it was in the, in the, in the hospital giving birth. For me, it was off a mountain. For some people, it's a divorce. For some people, it's a horrible diagnosis. Uh, you know, it can be a, any number of things that feel tragic and feel like it's a fall from grace. Um, and, you know, and, and you talked about it, and I don't mean any disrespect, Lisa, but you talked about it as if that is transformative. It's not. It's not. It's not transformative at all because uh, that happened to me, and I just wanted to get back to my old shit, and that's what most people want. They want to just get back. The, the transformation is not in the fall. The transformation is what you do with that fall. I think the fall gives you the opportunity to see clearly, oh, my goodness, I've been doing X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. and I need to change the direction of my life. But most people won't. Most people are too lazy or too comfortable or too something to do that. And that is an important important piece to get. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can clearly remember agonizing over the choice to move forward or try to move back, try to become the guy I was. And mm-hmm. and just that was torturous as a choice because we go, oh, well, you know, yeah, it kind of sucks, but, you know, I don't have a job and, and my partner has the money, so I'm going to stay. Um, you know, I, I have to think about the kids. I, I have to think about this. Well, I went to college and I got this degree, and, yeah, I kind of hate the work, but, you know, these are all opportunities to stop and pay attention. This is your freaking life, and you'll never get another one of this one ever again. This is a one-shot deal. So you can put it off, and you can try and go back. But if you go back, and many people do, if you go back, I want you to know something. If you go back, when you get to the other side, here's what will happen. You may look successful. You may have the big car and the nice house and the jewelry or whatever it is that seems important to you. But at night, you'll lie down in your bed, and it doesn't matter if you're in an orgy or you've got a partner next to you or on your own. You'll always be on your own because you're inside your own head. And in that moment, 
you'll realize that this is not my life. Mm -hmm. This is an act. Something's missing. So I challenge you to not go back. And here's the, here's the last piece on that. You don't have to fall to transform. Most people won't transform until they fall, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. When I fell off the mountain, just to be clear, that was my fourth, not first, fourth physical fall. And it wasn't, you know, I'd gone through other kinds of falls as well that were non-physical falls, but it was my fourth fall. Clearly, I was thick. Mm-hmm. It just happened that the last one was the most dramatic, and so I had no choice but to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I was not that bright. <laughs> so it doesn't mean it will transform you. It means it will present the opportunity to transform you. And you're absolutely right for correcting me, and I think... You corrected me on the same point the last time we did interview. So, yeah, you're being on here. You're paying attention, and I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you're right. And, you know, I, I think what I was trying to get across, although I didn't crystallize it to the degree that you did, was when you have those moments or even when those moments aren't bestowed upon you, it's still an opportunity. It's a catalyst. And again, and because it comes down to choice, you know, and it doesn't, as you said, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a tragedy or a crisis that happens to you that puts you in the mindset to reevaluate, to reassess, to be grateful, to, to live an authentic life, to live a fulfilled life and to be genuine and genuine to other people and support other people and prop and rally. You're absolutely right. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. human nature being what it is, oftentimes, more oftentimes than not, that's usually what needs to happen as a catalyst to get to that place where you launch yourself into leading a, a meaningful life and reevaluating and reassessing what it is that truly matters and reprioritizing your life so that you are living authentically to you so that when you do go to bed and you have that conversation with yourself, you can rest easy knowing, yeah, my life is very congruent with who I am. And regardless of whether people like it, whether people accept it, whether people embrace it, I am the only one who has to walk in my shoes, be in my skin, and be comfortable with the decisions I make because it is your life, my life. So you're absolutely right. Thank you for correcting me again. And there's another thing you just said that I think is really important. Um, you know, because I'm talking about authenticity and authentic leadership, and that's my thing. You know, full Monty leadership is about authentic leadership. and. And and most people don't even know what, what authenticity is. Mm-hmm. But it's that, it, for any of us, it's that willingness to stop and 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 make decisions that uh, or follow our own path. And one of the things that, one of my quotes is this, is that we trade authenticity for approval. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever it is you want to do, I mean, let, let's just take, I don't know, there's this, let's make up, there's this woman, I don't know, let's make up a name, like Lisa McDoodle or something, or McDonald or something, <laughs> some, some kind of Scottish name. Anyway, so she, you know, let's say she's got two kids, you know, she's a single parent, and she says, I want to write books, and I want to get out there, I want to have my own radio show. You know, how many of her friends, or, or quote-unquote supposed friends, or people who just know her situation go, are you crazy, girl? Like, that is nuts. Hold on a second. You've got two kids. You're a single mom. What are you going to do? You're going to mortgage your house? She says, "Yeah." <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to sell your car? She says, "Yeah." What are you going to do? You're going to, you know. And she says, "I will do all of those things because this matters, and it matters for this reason." Wow. Now everybody is going to come up against 
that kind of rejection. At that point, you have to recognize whether you're going to choose your authentic self, you're going to choose the part of you that pulls you forward, or you're going to choose the approval of those who quote-unquote love you. Here's the deal, folks. The people who love you will support you in your dreams. The people who love you are on your side. It doesn't mean that they're, they're blindly supporting you in your dreams. They're going to guide you and direct you, but they are going to be on your team. They're not going to try and tear you down. Do not trade your authenticity for approval. People won't agree with you. It's okay. You've got to know what's right for you. Well, I appreciate that. You're going to make me emotional here because uh, I'm already kind of fragile to begin with just, you know, again, my friend having passed on. But anyway, um, you know, you hit a bullseye there for me and something that I'm personally working on and I've been back and forth vacillating, you know, um, you know, I, I do profess uh, because I, I, I'd say 95% of the time I walk my talk with when I say I'm fearless. And, you know, when I don't care what other people think, if it's to the detriment of me living my authentic life and me following my dreams, and because I know the ins and outs of my life and what my challenges are, not just my successes, uh, you know, because, and you would know this too, you know, professionally, when you're out there as a public figure, and there's different levels of that, um, but I only post what I post to keep the momentum going. And up until recently, I was self-published. Uh, I'm doing my own marketing. I'm doing all of these things. Uh, so in order to glean what I need to continually keep that momentum going and to make those strides and to reach those people, because I do believe in myself and I do believe in the messages within my book and I do believe in what I talk about on radio and I do believe in the guests that I have on. It's all about passions, personal empowerment, authenticity, leadership. You go on. It's all the yummy stuff. And so interestingly, what I have noticed, you know, the people who, you know, having posted all of these things kind of at the inception of it happening, whether it be radio back February, whether it be, you know, the first book going to print, uh, then my book signings, all these other things, you know, a lot of the people who I thought were my friends who supported me when I was just, you know, this single stay-at-home mom, children's father within Madagascar, Africa. I was truly raising these kids on my own with minimal support. You know, it, it, uh, you know, I find a lot of people have no problem supporting you if your circumstances are perceivably worse or more saddening, which then uh, in turn makes their life or their journey, however they perceive that to be less sad mm-hmm. or, or less mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I very think I'm having, Lisa, very yeah, you know, I think I'm having a bad day or whatever. Of course I'm going to support Lisa. She's a stay at home mom. The minute I launched out as a result of having to redefine myself and, uh, reinvent myself because I couldn't go back into crisis management in social services and work, you know, the nonstop hours carrying a pager and being at the hospital in the ER with kids and adults and women being abused and all that. You know, the minute I got really clear on what it was I needed to do that still allowed me and afforded me the opportunity to put my children first and to be accessible, you know, when I started talking about, oh, you know, I've been sought out for a radio show, you know, this gentleman, Cameron Steele, saw my website, reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to host my own show. I posted that. Everybody thought that was fantastic. You know, oh, you know, I've, I've written my first book. It's going off to print. Oh, that's fantastic. But the minute it started to spiral 
not through lack of hard work on my part, not through challenging times which weren't necessarily posted, not through things going awry and deadlines being missed and people I thought I could count on who I needed third party to make things successful, dropping the ball. Uh, you know, people started to wean off. And it's really interesting to me that the people who seem to really support me now are are aside from my real true loyal friends and my small circle, which just keeps getting smaller, it's the people who don't know me, people in Pakistan, people in India, uh, people who have no clue who Lisa was prior to all of this journey having exploded. And um, and I do. I, I, I say thank you to everyone. And um, I don't know if it's just become such a catchphrase for people that they think it's not authentic anymore, but for people who truly choose, because, again, a choice, to believe in who I am, believe in what I'm doing, and knowing that my children and my, and them being my priority is at the crux of all of my decision making. Um, you know, just be grateful that you're not necessarily in my shoes, wearing six different hats, 50 hats all the time, and you know, uh, all those things. And for the people, I mean, there's a lot of people out there in Facebook land who have what I don't have. You know, I, I don't have an extra pair of hands every day. I don't have a husband to come home to. I don't have somebody being my raw, raw at the end of the day. How was your day, honey? Or, or you know, can I help you with that? I know you're tired. Let me print that off for you or let me take that to Staples or, you know, whatever. I, I don't have those things. But do I begrudge anybody, you know, who's celebrating 30 years of marriage? Uh, do, I, do I begrudge anybody who's getting married? Do I begrudge anybody who's having another child and adding addition to their family? Uh, you know, no. Like, and this is what I really I struggle with, not because on a personal level, I'm 95% not personalizing it. What I struggle with is what is it about humanity? What is it about people, particularly people who profess not to be in the ego, not operating from a place of ego? What is it about the people who put up all these, you know, these advocacy? Oh, you know, I, I advocate for this and I advocate for that and I support this and this person, you know, like, please like and share this person. This person's phenomenal. This person's off the charts and it's people they don't know. It's, you know, yeah. it could be, it could be, and I know one of your, you know, mentors and, and, uh, somebody who you have been profoundly impacted by, Martin Luther King. So, Martin Luther King Jr. So, you know, you and I, you and I could say or be aligned philosophically with those principles. We put it up. We're friggin' hated. You know, mm-hmm. somebody who, who isn't known tangibly to somebody else who very much walked their talk, led their life accordingly. And I don't say this to put ourselves in the category of someone like that. I'm just saying in terms of principle or to make a point, you know, come on, people, like seriously, like just focus on yourselves. Uh, you know, if you say you're not a judgmental person, don't be judgmental. Don't be hypocritical. And this comes back to what I love about you, Dove, because you call people out on their shit and mm-hmm. you hold, you know, you hold people accountable. You put their feet to their fire and you say, okay, is, is that really what you believe or is that what you've convinced and conditioned yourself to believe? So let's talk about that. Let's strip it down. Let's get back to the, the the bare basics and the bare bones and the grassroots of who are you? What is it? You know, are you are you preaching this, professing this because it's politically correct? It, because your family will only love you, your friends will only love you if they think that this is how you think. Let's let's mm-hmm. you know, let's get outside of that. So, you know, I don't know. 
I can only imagine, and feel free to speak or not touch upon it, it's up to you, but I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that in your journey too. People who you thought really supported you and, and couldn't be happier for you with the choices you were making, whether they agreed with your choices or not, but because it was putting you in your happy place, it was putting you in your authentic place, and it was giving you purpose, and it was helping other people. I mean, when you do something that has a positive impact on people, you know, what? What's to judge about that? What, what's not, I mean, you don't have to like my material. You don't have to like my books, but to know that something that I've done has perhaps profoundly impacted somebody else. Well, you know, that, I think that deserves a little bit of merit. You know, I think that deserves a little bit of acknowledgement. Okay. I, you know, Lisa might write about stuff that I don't really appreciate, or maybe it's too preachy, or maybe it's too this, or who is she to profess this, or who is this Lisa McDonald, or whatever. But, you know, like, just go live your own life. Go live your own life. Go do something. Go manifest something. Get out of your own complacency zone. Get out of your, you know, unhappy marriage or, you know, strip yourself down and try and rebuild yourself and do something without anybody's help. Let's see how far you get. But you know what? Regardless of how you've treated me, I will be there to help you and support you because that's what it's all about. So, I don't know. Maybe you want to touch upon as you grew in your in your level of success, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've encountered that all over the place. I have, and I think what you said is really important, uh, and as I said, uh, very astute, because I think that we have to look at human beings, and and you know, we're, we're funny, like we are quite funny. Um, Tony Robbins said this back in in. I think it was like the end of the nineties. He said the, the, the problem with our society is we love. We love the the rags to riches story. We love the the uh, instant success story, uh, but once somebody's there, we're looking to tear them down. We love mm-hmm. to lift them up and tear them down, and I think it's so true um, because when I'm lifting somebody up who's not quite there, when somebody's doing that, you know, they, they see you li- raising Lisa and then they're cheering you on, like yeah, right. Um, when they're doing that. Your hope for them, you're the great white hope. It's like, oh, yeah, well, if she can do it, well, maybe I can, and it's fantastic. But once you reach a certain level, it then it becomes about the separation between those two people. So, you know, well, Lisa, I guess, is just different than me, and I can never do it. And look, you now she's become all preachy, and she's become this, and she's become that. Now, the truth of the matter is you probably not become anything at all because – Success, by the way, folks, and Oprah said this about money, but it's also true about success. It just it just enlarges who you are. If you're an ass, you're going to be a bigger ass with money and success. If you're generous, you're going to be more generous with success. If you're kind, you're going to become more kind. It, you know, it doesn't matter. All those things are just expensive. If you have a message, that message is just going to get bigger as you get more success. So I think that you, what was important and astute of what you said was that I, human beings, we have a desire to belong and we mm-hmm. want to connect. That's inherent in human beings. However, within that is this, is that we want to belong and we want to connect, but within the bounds of our own comfort zone. So once, you're, once somebody... Out, steps outside of that, we then tend to isolate them and push them away and draw tighter. And it's for exactly the reasons you said, because now the person who's, who's aspired beyond that place becomes a threat. Because now we have to question, now we have to look at our reality. Now we have to say, ooh, 
maybe I really am playing small. Maybe I should really step up. Oh, but you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You know, Bob, Bob may be a drunk, but at least he works or, you know, he may be gambling or sleeping with other women, but you know, at least the kids have a, a father or, you know, Susie, uh, maybe a drunk, but you know, I, I don't want to leave uh, let my children grow up without a mother. Or, you know, I mean, all these things. So I think that your success challenges people's reality. When we're successful, we're going to challenge people's reality. And I, I need you, as the listener, to stop and pay attention to that. That people will say, if you become that successful, you'll lose your friends. Let me just give it to you on the nose. You can never lose a friend if you lose somebody because you became successful because you pursued your passion they were never a friend mm -hmm. they were somebody who was playing in your comfort zone and you were playing in those they were a comrade in your misery misery mm -hmm. loves company if you lose them because you became successful if you lose them because you followed your passion and your purpose they were never your friends Thank you for that. Thank you for crystallizing that for me. I appreciate that. So, um, so how do you, I mean, we've talked about your, your formula or your perception on the secret of happiness. How do you define success? Um, I think success is at best momentary. Mm -hmm. It's transitional and it's momentary. So, you know, I'm successful right now. I get to speak to, to Lisa. Um, <laughs> You know, and then, then in about 10 minutes, I'll no longer be speaking to her. And so I guess that success is over. So okay. I think you've got to look at success as exactly that, that it is transitional, that it is not permanent. Fulfillment, on the other hand, is something vitally different, and it's really important for you to pay attention to. I want success, don't get me wrong. I want to hit my goals and I want to achieve things and I want to feel good about those kinds of things. But the truth is what my pursuit is, is actually for fulfillment. And fulfillment comes from doing things that are, quote-unquote, meaningful to me, meaning they enrich my, quote-unquote, soul. They feel like they're more than the material world, that I'm part of something bigger. Fulfillment comes from me living what I believe is my purpose and or assisting others in fulfilling their purpose. But success, that's transitional. I was incredibly successful, and then I fell off a mountain, and it all went away. And it's that quick. It can go away. Mm -hmm. Fulfillment is coming from your center. So instead of asking yourself what makes me successful, you can do that. That's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But maybe you want to ask what would make me feel fulfilled. Absolutely. What would make me fulfilled? And then you'll stop chasing the next shiny object. Mm -hmm. Then you'll go, oh, okay, well, this is, this is what will light my candle. Oh, well, there's no money in that. You can't make any success with that. Okay. So maybe it's not a career. Maybe it's, maybe it's a passion. Maybe it's a hobby. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's something that you have no idea that you can make all kinds of money with. Mm-hmm. And so... Can you also describe for me, based on your book, your latest book, you've written several, but your latest one, can you define for us what does fiercely loyal mean? Fiercely loyal, if somebody who's fiercely loyal, just think about this in, this in, 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 in the general sense. So, of course, my book is written about 
um, creating fiercely loyal employees, but it could, it, you know, I, I have another keynote, which is about creating fiercely loyal, quote, followers, um, customers, clients, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's exactly the same principles. It's exactly the same principles. But when somebody is fiercely loyal, they're in your corner. They will go to battle for you. They're evangelical, meaning they will go out in the world and tell others about you. I know that, that you, Lisa, have an enormous amount of people who are fiercely loyal to you. And as you said, many of them have never met you, but they're fiercely loyal to you. They, 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 they promote your shows. They, they are connecting you with other people they think you can add value to or can add value to you. Um, they, they're, they're willing to fight in your corner. Somebody says shit about you. And they'll jump on them and like, you know, hey, you don't know, and she's really great, and whatever it is. Fiercely loyal means the person is willing to be in your corner and fight for you. And and it's not actually you; it's what you represent to them. Mm-hmm. So you you need to align that with with you and that other person. <clears throat> and the only way to align it is to be truly authentic, completely transparent, and absolutely vulnerable with what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then people become, okay, you know, because I always say to the leaders I work with, I always say your job is not to get people to like you. That's a, listen, that's a really dumb move. Your job mm-hmm. is not to get people to like you. Your job is to get people off the fence. Right. Love it. Well, you know, I appreciate you continuously using me as the example for all your little stories. <laughs> but I, uh, well, and I, I'm fiercely loyal to you, Dove. You know, I, Honestly, I just, I, I love how you shake things up and I love how you include yourself in that, uh, equation. You know, you make it very clear that, you know, you don't hold the fire to people's feet without having first and continuously doing so to yourself. And you've done that vulnerably and you've done that publicly, uh, and you do it consistently throughout. And so for yourself, you know, people like me who are on a different scale, I don't say that to negate my own fulfillment or successes or my passions, but, you know, you really are a leader. I, you know, if ever I feel, I don't think I've shared this with you, but whenever I feel uh, a moment of trepidation or I feel like, you know, I'm being dismissed or pushed down uh, or something hasn't gone my way, I, I always click onto your page and I play something, one of your videos, or I look at you know, a new update as to who you've been interviewed by. And again, it's not just for the notoriety or for the fame or me trying to glean that and going, okay, well, you can be in X amount of magazines or you can be written about or be invited for X amount of interviews. It's not about that. It's it's the spirit of who you are that continues to champion because behind the scenes, and you and I have spoken many times behind the scenes as friends on phone, um, You know, there's a lot going on in your world, a lot going on in my world, in everyone's world that people aren't privy to. So knowing some of the things that you have shared with me, which is a gift in confidence, uh, as a confidant, uh, I look at how you continue to motor through life and I think to myself, okay, if Dove can do that, knowing what he's going through, Lisa, get your, get it back going, get on your game, you know, just go with it. And that's all it takes. I just have to click on your page, and I'm good. So well, that, that is that is a huge compliment. Thank you very much. It really is. Well, no, thank you to you. And unfortunately, here we are again, winding down. Four minutes left. So I just want to uh, turn it over to you, Dove, before I thank you, before we part ways, and just 
uh, kindly ask you to remind all of our listening audience where you can be reached at. Um, you can reach out to me, uh, obviously, through my website, which is fullmontyleadership.com. That's F-U-L-L, Monty, like the name, M-O-N-T-Y, leadership.com, fullmontyleadership.com. Of course, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the usual outlets. Um, there is a, I have my podcast, which is Leadership and Loyalty Tips for Executives. Um, we cover all kinds of things, including the secret to happiness. That's where you'll find that video. There is, of course, my YouTube channel with all kinds of great stuff on there for you as well. And my book, which is called Fiercely Loyal, um, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. And if you want to find that, of course, that's on Amazon. Or you can go to fiercelyloyalbook.com. So the same title of the book plus the word book.com. And there I have a gift for you. And one of the things I just want to say to you is, is that this, before I finish off, is that, you know, you're listening to Lisa and I chatting here, and you get that this is not a professional chat. You know, it's not the, the courteous blowing smoke up skirts. This is a conversation. Lisa and I are just having a chat. This is, you know, we could be at Starbucks having the same chat. And what you have to get is that, that's my approach in life, and that's actually Lisa's approach. And if I've had success anywhere in my life, it's because I've been willing to be relational. One of my e-books is called The Five Foundations of Building Wealth from the Inside Out. You can find it on Amazon. I think it's like 47 bucks. It's an e-book. Um, but if you search around, you'll probably find it somewhere for free. Uh, people have nicked it and stuck it somewhere. And <laughs> go download it. Get it for free. It's all right. Um, but in there, one of the things I talk about is that one of those foundations is being genuinely relational. So all the fear that you have, just understand all you have to do is be willing to talk to somebody and make it about them. Ask them about them. Once you do that, that's, that's really all it takes because people just need to know that somebody gives a crap about them. And by the way, you know, we talk about success. doesn't matter how successful people are or you perceive them to be. They're just like you. They have those moments where they think, oh, crap, can I get through this? We all have those moments. Absolutely. Don't, don't glorify people. We're not that way. Thank you so much, Dove, for everything once again. I love you dearly. I follow you. I support you. I'm going to have you back on my show again. Uh, going to have to say goodbye for now, uh, but we will be in touch. And I just want to thank my listening audience for joining me once again. I am Lisa McDonald, Carpe Diem. I go live every Friday at 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to appear as a guest on my show or if you have any show topic ideas you wish to put forth for me to discuss, I would love to hear from you at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. McDonald is MC. D-O-N-A-L-D. Love, love to you all. Thank you very much. Love to you, Dove. All my best. Thank you. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.